0: and whenever you are in the world, this is Adam Harrison, and this is the Handcrafted Guitar Builder, used to be known as the Cigarbox Guitar Builder Podcast. Yeah, as mentioned um, previously, uh, we kind of felt the need for the name change, uh, just simply due to the fact that so many people who are on... um, who listen to the, the podcast and who are on the Facebook group, uh, which used to be of the same name, um, many of these people just—they don't just build cigar box guitars. And I just felt that it was a very limiting title for the show. Um, and having said that, I, I uh, still absolutely adore building cigar box guitars, um, but I don't just build cigar box guitars and i suppose this is another avenue for my creative outlet or this is my opportunity you know to give something back um, you know i'm nowhere near of the caliber of builder as many of you out there but you know i do know my way around the workbench and you know i you know i do try and make sure that you know my frets are nice and neat as you've probably heard on the other podcasts and I do make sure that my fretboards look sparkly and shiny and I do try and make sure that I don't end up with fret overhang and do try and make sure of course that I've got my guitar necks nicely oiled and all that sort of fun stuff and I try and make sure that I'm using either very nice handmade uh, accessories etc or quality and pieces that I buy from other places, so uh, it's just, you know, me just trying to give back a little bit, and of course now, um, especially now, over the last few months, I've really been concentrating on building you know uh, electric guitars as well, not just uh, six-string guitars, but also three and four-string, solid body, um, you know, blues-inspired instruments that are easy to play with one finger. Um, you know, and or you know, I've just finished um, the Noisel guitar, which uh, is under the banner of retro electric guitars. Uh, I'm still wondering whether it's been the right thing to do to actually have, you know, effectively two businesses which are running from the same workshop. It all it seemed to have done is actually. Um, doubled the workload as far as um, the technology side of things and the and the social media side of things is concerned. Um, uh, I'm still so yeah. I'm still kind of deciding whether or not it, it, it has been the um, the right move for my business. Um, I suppose a lot of people would have simply said, you know, why didn't you do what Daddy Mojo did and run them run both, you know, run all the different types of guitars that I build under the one banner of Birdwood guitars. Um, I don't know. I suppose I, I just had an epiphany. Uh, to be honest with you, I'll tell you what, what actually happened. I, I, had a, I had a bit of an epiphany. Um, and for some reason, this the name, I was just sitting around... What, one night, a you know, a month or so ago, a couple of months ago, and I and I just I just had this name for a business come into my head, um, retro electric guitars, because I've I've been tossing up the the idea of different names for the you know for the electric guitars that i been that I was building the three and the four string guitars, and I have been collecting um, you know the, the 1960s Japanese made. Um, Guitars, you know, uh, the the Sakai's that I've that I've been collecting, and the Tesco guitars, and the and the uh, guitars, and and um, you know, I've been learning all about them, and I've been getting books, and I've been online, and I've been because I, I really do love them, you know. It's it's they're 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 um, they're just they're absolutely absolutely crazy loads of fun um, to you know to build and. Um, I suppose, you know, coming back to the idea of the name change, it all kind of stemmed a little bit from this idea of, of opening up retro electric guitars, which was uh, going to focus solely on, you know, the six-string instruments and, um, uh, you know, the electric guitars and, you know, and or acoustics, if I could find them, and just basically the idea to, to find unloved um, instruments, you know, and do them up and sell them for, like, a really friendly price uh, on the website and on the Facebook page and, you know, just do stuff up, just do crazy things to them and, you know, sell the guitars at the markets, you know, alongside the cigar box guitars um, that I build. And um, and I just felt to, I wanted to talk about them on, you know, on this kind of forum, on this kind of um, on this kind of media you know the um, the, 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 um, the podcast format, and I just felt that if I continued to keep the name um, cigarbox guitar build podcast, it would kind of it would kind of clash the ideas would clash and people would be listening saying, well what um, you know why are you talking about electric guitars six string guitars when this is a podcast about cigar box guitars and you know and rightly so. So, the idea now with, of course, um, the handcrafted guitar builder, it's simply any kind of handcrafted guitar. That's I could talk about cigar box guitars, and I can talk about electric guitars, I could talk about basses, I can talk about mandolins. Not that I know shit about mandolins, I don't. Um, yeah, I could talk about banjos. I don't know anything about banjos, but I could talk about them, I suppose. Um, you know, but you probably wouldn't be very interested in what I'm going to say. And it's probably leading on to what I'm going to talk about today. Um, the yeah, the idea of, of, of interviewing people is still there. I'm still collecting ideas for people who I want to um, to interview. Um, but I suppose today I kind of uh, I, I wanted to have a chat to you about the work I'm doing at the moment with um, with old, unloved instruments, and see if I can get people out there to um maybe think again about that old guitar that was going to get thrown out or that that old guitar that that was you know sitting by the side of the road that that nobody that nobody seems to want anymore um is there still life in the beast um the other thought that I had as well is during the week um, there is a, uh, a gentleman named Rua Kangas who has, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Rua Kangas Guitars, he's based in Finland, uh, and I've just, I've just been a, a, a huge fan of his, um, his instruments ever since I discovered him on, on YouTube, and he has a, an instrument It's a LP style guitar. Uh, that he started, he did a video. Um, uh, he did a video, a set of videos. Um, I think there's probably about maybe 10, 10 videos in the series. Of uh, a, I think the unicorn. So if you look up Ruakangas, um, I can't, I can't spell it off the top of my head. And you'll hear me. I'm in the car at the moment because this is my, this is my clear space of. of thinking and where I could talk about what I wanted to you know want to talk about and express Um, and he was talking about the cost of handmade electric guitars and he was talking about instruments that he built starting at around about the 3,000 euro mark and he was saying that it's not a lot of money well I live in Australia and the exchange rate between Australia and and and, uh, and Europe is not great, uh, it's not as bad as some countries as an exchange rate but if I were to purchase a, a guitar from Rua Kangas it would probably cost me in excess of you know four and a half thousand dollars which you know Mr. Rua Kangas and I say this with a great deal of respect may say that that's not a lot of money. Um, but I very respectfully disagree. It is a lot of money. However, uh, I will also say that it is a lot of money for a meticulously, beautifully handmade instrument. So let's get that, let's get that really, really straight. It is a meticulously handcrafted instrument the the Rua Kengis guitars. And I I wholeheartedly suggest that you get online and look at his Instagram accounts and his Facebook accounts uh, and his page and the YouTube videos that he does um, and have a look at his instruments. And I am most certainly not having a go at Mr Rua Kengis who is just, in my opinion, a master of his game. Um, But I very respectfully say that if I am going to be purchasing uh I've got three kids you know if I'm and my daughter is turning 14 my oldest daughter is turning 14 and to my utmost horror she is showing a great deal of interest in purchasing uh or getting me to purchase a set of drums for her ah (laughs) I live in a very small house (laughs) and so the idea of drums is quite horrifying um but the idea of purchasing a, um, a guitar for her is certainly up there. Uh, having said that, I could also build her a guitar. That's not a, that's not an issue at all. But if I wanted to go and purchase a guitar for her, I certainly wouldn't be spending €3,000 on a first guitar. Now, the argument that Mr. Royal Kangas had um, was that to purchase, um, to purchase a mass-produced instrument. Uh, it's a fair trade issue. He's basically talking about fair trade. He's talking about a fair day's work for a fair dollar, or a fair euro in, in his case. And what he was saying was that, from what I took from it, was that when you're purchasing guitars that are made in third world countries, um, you know, he's worried about things like slave labor and people not earning. You know, the the, the basically bulk work. The old saying of, and I, I say this with respect, the old saying of working for a bowl of rice. You know, it's not. Let's let's be honest. It's um, many many companies, big companies, uh, multinational companies do get get you know obviously work done in the third world because it is a hell of a lot cheaper to pay someone. Uh, far less than if they were getting it done, let's say, here in Australia or in the United States or in Europe, in, in certain places, you know, in Europe. Any of the first world countries, our our, our wage rates are much higher. Um, so I understand his argument there. I do, I do completely understand his argument. The other flip side of the coin for that particular argument might be that, well, you know, at least, you know, these are people who are employed. they may not be getting employed for much money, but the flip side of the argument some people will say is that well, at least they have a job. you know they, you know it's, it's it's the lesser of two evils, maybe that kind of an argument i 'm not going to get on a political bandwagon here. Um, you know I, I would hope that everybody is earning you know a, a substantial wage in, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world it would happen and unfortunately we live in a far from perfect world so I completely understand uh his his argument regarding that um but I have a, a way around it and there is another way around it um and there are many builders out there who have a great passion for fixing old instruments basically repairing old instruments um a couple of people that spring to mind would be uh, guitars and caffeine. The uh, young lady from the United States who has the guitars and caffeine website and um, Instagram feed. Um, after her, her name is escaping me for the moment. And I don't. And I apologise for that. I'm a very big fan of her work. Actually, I think she does a remarkable job. But she has a great passion for getting instruments into people's hands, and doing up old instruments, and teaching people how to, you know, to 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 fix old instruments. And you know, so definitely, I really suggest you go and check check out Guitars and Caffeine, uh, and have a look at what she is doing. I can her name. It, it's just maddening. Um, Anyway, uh, here in Australia there are quite a few people who um, who have a real passion for old instruments. Uh, one in particular would be uh, a fantastic builder from out of Melbourne, uh, Harvester Guitars. Um, please go and check out Harvester Guitars, he also builds a beautiful range of his own instruments. Uh, I would love to interview him andrew from harvester guitars if you hear this podcast at some stage give me a buzz i would love to interview interview you for the podcast um but i am an enormous fan of his work he, he does aluminium necks and uh just just the work that go and the photos of the old guitars that go through his shop and, and the work that he does are, are absolutely wonderful so go and check him out as well um Look, there's a bucket load of people doing up old instruments, and I think this is where the, um, the cigar box guitar connection comes in as well because there's a lot of cigar box guitar builders out there who find old instruments and repurpose them. Um, they find old timbers and they repurpose that. And cigar box guitars, or you know, three or four string instruments and things like that, which traditionally are not expensive instruments to buy are honestly, as long as they're well made, are a a fantastically economical instrument to get a kid to learn learn a guitar learn guitar on to start with, and I truly believe that, um, especially for the real little tackers, you know, um, as long as the, the strings aren't too tight on their little fingers and the frets are done nicely, they, you can actually get a really great tone out of them, and they're a really wonderful instrument to, for adults to learn on too. I mean, the amount of guitars, uh, cigar box guitars that I sell to people who've never picked up an instrument before, uh, it, it's it just blows my mind to think that you know someone's picking up an instrument they've never done it before, and by that afternoon they can be playing a song because they can strum the you know three strings, uh, open tuning, fret the note across, just bar the notes, and there you go, you've got your chords. So and you can be playing a song that afternoon with no experience whatsoever. So it, it's just a wonderful thing to be able to to be able to put it put music into somebody's hands. Um, I digress the other thing is as i said you know people who do up old guitars and i'm talking from first-hand experience because that's one of the things that i do um you know i'm i'm in this in this game to because i love it you know i absolutely love it and the idea of finding old guitars and uh you know and, and tracking tracking down instruments and and finding them at garage sales or finding them under people's stairs or you know finding them on ebay or on reverb, you know, when people are throwing them out, basically, because so I go, oh, this, you know, it's guitar shit, it doesn't work, and blah, 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 blah. Man, I've, I'm in the, in the process of doing up a, uh, a Kawai S1T, uh, which is a, uh, it's one of the first, it's one of the, fir- the first models, s- solid body models that Kawai ever did. It was It's based around 1964. Uh, it's a vintage instrument uh it's a set neck with uh a screw on plate to hold everything in place um it's basically in a in a nasty state of disrepair i and i bought it for next to on you know on online having said that i bought it from the united states so it cost me over a hundred dollars you know in postage to land the damn thing but i just it's like i couldn't let it go i saw it and i just thought it's just you know and i got it and it's a freaking disaster uh, you know, I may have mentioned this on the other podcast, you know, but but it's it's so exciting to get something and take it out of a box when it's come from another country, and it's, you know, and, it's, and it was in a shop. For God's sake, it was in a shop. It was up on a wall on eBay in, in like, very obviously, like, in some sort of guitar store. It must have been, like, like a, a, a cash converters. We have cash converters here, or like a pawn shop, you know, in uh, in the States. And it was just in the worst state when I got it. The electronics were held together with sticky tape. Well, to the point that they didn't work. They don't. work you know, The electronics, nothing works in there, you know. So, because uh, it's not attached properly, nothing's nothing's working. So, uh, I tend to find that all of those guitars that I buy from the 1960s, the old Japanese guitars, they all need their jacks, the the, uh, the output jacks, um, basically replaced because they've all corroded and they've, you know, they've, they're, they're absolute garbage. Uh, many of the the potentiometers are actually still okay they just need a bit of a spray with the, uh, the lubricating spray got the, uh, the pot cleaner uh, and I've been able to salvage a few of those and not have to worry about uh, playing around too much with the electrons because I do try and keep them stock I don't want to I don't want to mess around with them and and ideally I want to keep the original tuners with the original guitar um, the idea is if I have to replace them I'll also sell the 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 original tuners that I replaced. Um, I've got. Uh, I've currently got at the moment. I haven't started working on it because it's going to be a. It's going to be a hell of a lot of work to do this one. Fix this one up. Um, but I've actually got a um, a Tesco uh, hollow body jazz guitar uh, with from 1950 54. I, I want to say 1952. Um, I'll have to double-check that. It's either 1952 or 1954. It's an old Tesco um, P something. I can't remember, quite remember the number. Um, but it's it is in a nasty state of disrepair. The the, the neck itself the neck itself is playable. It's uh, it's not entire not entirely straight. But it's until I string it up properly, with all the six strings attached. I'm not going to know percent sure. I'm not going to be 100% sure as to how, how it actually is. The um, the neck itself seems to attach to the body quite well, so I'm not going to have to reattach the uh, or reset the neck, uh, which I'm glad about. Um, but the the nut re- needs replacing. The tuners all need to be replaced. Having said that, there are four of the original tuners on. The guitar, which seem to actually function, so I'm in a quandary at the moment. I know I'm definitely not going to find um, another set of tuners to to match the four that are still functioning, but I could purchase um, spurs or replacements and maybe just use two of them if they fit. So that could be an option to say, well, I've got the these are the original four, or I replace all of them with all six spursals, and again put the tuners the original tuners in the in the guitar case and sell that off and I've got the original 1952 guitar case as well uh, which still needs a handle and it needs the um, the Tolex uh, the covering uh, re-glued and replaced and patched in places but it still functions but you can hear the way I'm talking about it it's just it's just a labor of love there's also unfortunately the uh, the back has cracked along the center line so that's going to need to be re-glued and reset and I need to try and figure out a way of actually doing that where the glue is going to work because i I have to find out whether or not it was a hide glue and i'm expecting from 1952 that it was going to be a hide glue uh and being that i don't use hide glue um or have ready access to a replacement for hide glue i i would be looking at trying to clean it out and use uh you know a, a um uh, a type one type alternative or something like that, but that's only going to work if I can uh, clean out the uh, clean out the original glue that's in there. Either that, or, as I said, you know, use hide glue. Try and find some high glue and use the hide glue, which will actually remelt the old hide glue. So, yeah, it's a it's a um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a finicky business. It is it is a situation where you've got to think about as a builder. I want to do these old guitars up, and I want to sell them for for a great fun price, you know, and get them back into people's hands and out of the garbage dumps, and and you know have people play them. Uh, but at the same time, it's it is a case of trying to make sure that I'm getting my value for money as well. There's no sense me spending $600 worth of my time on an instrument that I'm going to sell for $200. Or three hundred dollars, and I certainly wouldn't put some of these guitars up for sale for seven hundred or eight hundred dollars. They're just not worth it. Well, they're not. You know, it's it's. In my opinion, they're not. Um, having said that, I, I think you know, depending on what I do to it, depending on the on the parts that I put in, um, you know, if I find a guitar that's that's that retailed in the store for you know for two hundred or two hundred and fifty dollars, you know, twenty years ago. I think it's a little bit, you know, to, to stick $300 dollars pickups in the thing, I, th- it's, I think it might be a little bit of overkill. And especially, you know, if I want to sell... If I want to sell the guitar for, you know, for, for a friendly price so that it can get into the hands of some kid or, or some, you know, some adult who, who's never played before, you know, I, I want it to be at, uh, at a friendly price. And that, I think, is the answer to Mr Rua Kangas' dilemma of... You know, to, trying to stay away from buying mass-produced uh, guitars, and that might be that might be the thing. You know, keep these instruments out of the out of the rubbish tips. Keep them out of the landfill. Keep the carbon wrapped up in the in the instrument that works. You know, and and, and that's the thing from an ecological point of view too. I suppose you know, just how long, uh, you know, how long can you make a um, how long can you make a guitar? How long can you make a guitar last? Um, his other argument, of course, was uh, in relation to the price of a handmade instrument. We'll get onto that in a second. So, yeah, as I was saying, Real Kangas was talking about the value for money for a handmade. for a a handmade instrument, and for somebody like him, that 3,000 euro price tag, you know, is a starter price, and he was saying that his guitars can, you know, go up to the 15,000 price range or whatever, uh, 15,000 euro price range, and one of the things he was saying was it doesn't mean that the guitar is necessarily any better, but what it probably means is that it has... Had more work done to it, there might be uh, you know extra binding there might be more of a hands on approach it might so it 's not necessarily a better quality instrument it's simply that I think when it comes down to is it, how much money your the hardware costs for a start, but the biggest issue would be the time factor you know the time for someone to actually an experienced worker to actually put their hand on an instrument and that I thought was a very interesting thing thing for him to say and to talk about because one of the things that I've been pondering at the moment is questioning, the question for me is how much do I sell my new guitar for? Now I'm very, very, very happy with how the prototype actually came out. Um, there's a couple of things that, that I've been looking at and, and I'm being very critical of, um, there are certain things that I like and there are certain things that I've gone, no, I don't like the way that feels. Because at the moment, I had the um, the strap button, uh, the forward strap button, sitting in front of the neck heel on the neck because that's where most of the uh, made in Japan, you know, 60s made in Japan, uh, ...strap buttons were placed. They were placed basically just simply in front of the heel and off you go. Well, I tried playing last night standing up with a strap on... ...and the damn, the damn strap just completely got in the way. So I've got to look at... Um, uh, ...moving that strap button to up onto the upper horn... Uh, ...to the forward point of the upper horn, which I'm quite happy to do... Um, i am questioning then once i've done that i'll question because of the size of the the guitar body which is not it's a small it's quite a um, it's actually quite a petite size uh of guitar body um i need to decide now as to whether or not that particular whether the guitar will then become neck heavy because having these the strap where it is has centered the of the guitar. It's not neck diving. So, uh, and one thing I want to stay away from is the dreaded neck dive. So I do want to stay away from that. Um, I have used a relatively heavy wood for the neck um, on this particular guitar. I use blackwood, uh, and I also used a blackwood fretboard. Uh, the blackwood fretboard is darker, um, so it's come from a different part of the tree, I believe. So. And also, the neck is basically, it's a, it feels like it's a baseball bat, because I absolutely love big, thick, chunky necks. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not really into thin necks. Um, but even while I'm playing it, I've got that feel for it, and I'm feeling the neck, and I'm thinking, okay, there's certain aspects of the neck that I want to shave down further. Now, I think once I've shaved the neck down further, um, that'll reduce the amount of timber on the neck, and that'll actually compensate for you know for because i think at the moment if i move the 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 uh the strap up to the upper upper horn uh from behind uh from behind the neck in front of the heel it will it'll have a bit of neck dive so i think once i've removed some of that timber from from the neck it'll just it'll just make it less heavy and i think it'll balance actually really nicely so you know these are the things you need to do when you build when you're building an instrument and the idea with this instrument is i absolutely love it it just it feels good it looks good it, it just there's so much about it that I absolutely love Um, I want it to be this particular instrument to be a budget uh, relatively budget friendly instrument I want it to be a guitar that that, um, a parent could buy as a quality instrument for their child Um, I also want it to be quite affordable for a gigging musician and what I mean by that is I'm not talking about necessarily uh, guys in super bands I'm talking about guys that go down to your app to go down and play pub gigs uh you know a guy who might get together and jam uh with his mates once or twice a week and then you know get up and go to the local uh you know and and play a few play a few riffs you know i want a quality instrument that's going to sound really good feel good in the hand um but i want it to be very very cost friendly Uh, and that is a big thing a, a big target so i have you know i'm looking at also thinking, okay, well, I, I do want to use quality parts. I like using the and tuners. I've actually uh, used the and 600 plate tuners. I was absolutely wrapped with them. They feel beautiful. They, um, you know, they just got a great feel. The ratio is really nice. Um, the pickup itself, I absolutely love. It's by Wade Custom Beta. Uh, who who's in the states? Uh, Wade Beta has a little company called Victory Pickups, um, and he makes uh, his version of gold oil pickups. Uh, there's a few. He does he does tarnished versions. He does uh, gold versions, silver versions. Uh, it, he just does such an amazing job, and I love it. And the sound is raunchy and gutsy, and it's a single coil, so it's that little bit of 60 cycle hum. It's just. Ninety cycle hum, sixty cycle hump. I've on black. You know, it, but it, it's got that real raw kind of vibe about it, and it loves a bit of distortion and a bit of muff and you know, chuck it, stick it on a big muff pie, and ah, it's great. You know, it's it's just they just work so well. Um, the bridge I'm looking at at the moment. I, I'm currently using a, uh, a type of tunematic style bridge, a more the Fender style uh, than the Gibson style. Um, but I'm actually thinking of using uh, or doing a um, that crossover with the cigar box guitars that I use, that I do with like a cigar box g- guitar style um, adjustable. Bridge, floating bridge, uh, and I love that, and I, I think that would be great, you know, with a you know string retainer, string retainers at the back. Look, this is what I'm doing. This is this is building instruments and things like that. There are options, and I think Mr. Real Kangas makes a damn fine point about building uh, quality instruments, buying top quality instruments that will last forever. But don't forget, you know, if you're buying an instrument for your 14 year old son or daughter, or 13 year old son and daughter. They may turn around after six months and say, I don't like doing that. That's not what I'm into. Kids are fickle. I think buying a $3,000 $3, or €3,000 guitar for a 14-year-old kid is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Sorry, I apologise for using the, dropping the F-bomb, but I think it is. It's, cra- it's, it's absolutely crazy. Unless you're sitting back on a million dollars a year and you're sitting back on big cash, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen in my house, that's for sure. However, however... I would be very happy to um, to buy a good rebuilt instrument. That'd be fun. So righto. So so I guess in closing, um, you know there are there are certain definitely certain things that um, that I agree with uh, in relation to you know what Mr. Kangas was talking about, and um, and I, I certainly believe that you know when there's when there's a great deal of skill involved and a great deal of work and time involved in creating uh, a handcrafted instrument, you know, a fair price has to be, you know, taken into consideration. And, you know, and if a fair price is, you know, a 3,000 euro price tag on a, you know, on an instrument, you know, then... Then fair enough. I, I don't um, I don't begrudge him that uh, that price at all. In fact, you know, uh, there are many uh, Australian builders here who I hold in high esteem, uh, who who build the most amazing handcrafted instruments that you know that aren't you know they're not cheap. I don't consider them consider them to be cheap. Um, but just keep in mind, you know what I what I believe to be. Uh, cheap or expensive? So I should say what I believe to be an expensive price or a, a high price. You know, other people might look at it and say, "Well, that's no, I don't think that's a high price." You know, maybe they're in a different financial group than I am. Um, I, I believe that, you know, a four thousand dollar price tag is not unreasonable for a, a totally handcrafted and. Immaculate um, Instrument I, I don't think that that's too much However, I don't have $4,000 I don't have the money I don't have that. That's an instrument that would be Legitimately out of my budget You know, at the moment um, So, you know I would be looking at alternatives I would be looking at a price point that I... Was comfortable, you know. I was comfortable to, to to spend money on, you know. And it doesn't mean that I don't think that the other instrument's worth four thousand dollars. It just might simply be that I don't have four thousand dollars, or maybe that if I had four thousand dollars, maybe I'd want to get two of the other type, or buy the guitar and an amplifier. Maybe that's maybe that's a price in my mind. You know, maybe that is a price in my mind. It, it, the, you know two and a half thousand dollars maybe is is what I believe is a great price for a great handmade guitar. But that's just me. I wonder how you feel about it. Um, so anyway, it's uh, Adam from um, the handcrafted guitar builder. Uh, that's kind of my two cents worth. Um, what do you reckon? Chuck some, you know, put, pop some comments up on the uh, up on the group. Um, let us know what you think. Um, pop some comments up on on podbean or up, up on itunes don 't forget to rate us um, you know as I said I am working on some interviews uh, coming up in the very near future and um, but I thought it was just prudent to kind of um, to maybe discuss you know that uh, that particular uh, youtube video and it's uh, it 's only just come up as of the twenty 23rd, Thursday the 23rd of uh, November 2017 uh, if you're listening to this in the future um, go check it out he had some very 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 interesting ideas and interesting thoughts and uh, it's, it's well worth, I think he spoke for about 14 or 15 minutes about it which is a lot less than I've spoken about it now anyway, I'll let you go, have a good one bye